0: This is the Low Tox Life Podcast.
1: If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light.
0: Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 237. I am absolutely thrilled to have the wonderful Beth O'Hara, PhD, back on the show. You may recall uh, Beth and I spoke extensively about her area of specialization, mast cell activation syndrome, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but that is not the only area that Beth focuses on because, of course, mast cell activation is a symptom of a root cause of something else that's sending those mast cells haywire, that's causing them to rise to the task of trying to protect our body uh, from dying literally (laughs) and getting very sick. And so uh, today I wanted to have Beth back so that we could widen the lens a little bit on what it takes to heal chronic cases of illness, often due to high levels of toxicity. Yes, we focus primarily on mold in this episode, but I think you'll find if you're someone who's been unwell for a long time, or if you know someone who's been unwell, or if you're a practitioner who has cases that are just making you scratch your head in frustration and melancholy for not being able to help them get well, then this is an episode you cannot miss. Uh, I, uh, I rarely tear up on my show, but this was definitely one of them, uh, instigated by Beth actually tearing up. And I think it's because we've both been so through so much with our health, her even more than me for so many more years and with such severity. And it's just an incredible privilege to be able to get ourselves on a better track and to study and work and help provide resources that help people out there get better and have hope and not give up. It's an emotional show. So uh, I uh, spoke at length about cell activation and Beth's background the first time she was on the show, but just for a little bit of professional context, so you don't uh, think, oh, who's this random internet person, another person telling me what to do? She is a functional naturopath, a functional genetic analyst, has a doctorate in naturopathy specialising in functional naturopathic approaches and a master's in marriage and family therapy. And I think that is a beautiful roundout to what Beth is able to offer uh, you know, from a very technical perspective, in how to get well, build resilience, detoxify, in a very specialized and orderly way, so that it actually builds resilience in the body, but also that emotional piece in her um, marriage and ma- marriage and family therapy training uh, and masters. Uh, you know, when one has chronic illness, it is such a roller coaster of emotions going through that experience. Uh, Hope and then crashing and then hope and then crashing and then anger and frustration and so many different emotions. And what I love about Beth is that icing on top of the emotional sensitivity and compassion she brings to practice and uh, her courses and websites, really something special. So I know this is going to land so incredibly powerfully for the people who need to hear it. And I'm going to hook into that conversation in just a little minute. I want to welcome our new Low Tox Club members. It's our Club membership you can join anytime, it's only $49 a year, lots of special club content for our members, some really amazing masterclasses where we get the feedback from you guys, what questions you want to ask, various types of low-tox experts, everything from growing veggies to building biology to um, pet care uh, and naturopathy to thyroid support, all sorts of incredible experts that join us over the year and uh and of course you get 50 percent off all of our courses uh and uh it's just a really wonderful hub for people to continue the low tox conversation really bring it to life and get support from other people who know things about different areas it's I love it and uh, I know you will too. So you can always join that by hitting lotoxlife.com hitting the explore tab, join the club is the very first option you see in the drop down Uh, I want to mention two wonderful Lotox brands in as a part of my month of May highlighting some of my favourites and reaching out to them to get some wonderful Lotox Swaps offers for you guys Uh, Black Chicken Remedies has been a favourite for a very long time. It just so happened that when my sister, now my sister-in-law started dating my brother-in-law, my husband's brother. Uh, We got talking, and she was really into making a few of her own little lotions and potions and exploring low-tox products. I was like, oh, that's what I do. I help people make those transitions. And uh, she shared with me that uh, one of the PR clients that she'd had was this brand-new brand launching, and she got me a couple of samples of this black chicken remedies. And then I reached out to the founder, Shay, who happened to live really locally to me, and we became friends, and I just love supporting her business. It's an incredible aromatherapy-based Line of extremely low-tox, very simple uh, combinations in terms of the ingredient profile uh, and no preservatives, no weirdness, some really beautiful aromatherapeutic blends to enhance uh the action of the products and they're giving you 20% off all products excluding gift cards uh for LTL20C is your club co is your code to get that 20% off that's LTL20C Uh, And you just head to the Black Chicken Remedies website here in Australia to make the most of that. Enjoy. And then the second brand I wanted to highlight, one of my faves, I've uh, done some collaborative work with uh, the wonderful Mark, founder of Solid Techniques, an incredible engineering mind that he has to bring to life the most low-tox, most durable, multi-century lasting cookware you are ever going to come across with the Solid Technics brand. And uh, I created a um, baking tray with Mark a couple of years ago. I know a lot of you guys already have it and love it. Uh, It produces the most even heat thanks to the Noni stainless steel, nickel-free stainless steel as well for anyone who has allergies in the family. It's a great one. Uh, Solid Technics is actually, available globally, so please do uh, Google um, I use Google uh, um not Google, I use, <laughs> what do I use? Ecosia. Oh, my gosh, I just had a little brain fart uh, And uh, for my search engine, that is, and you'll find where Solid Technics is available to you. But if you happen to be lucky enough to be in Australia, if you spend 2 dollars or more, you will receive a free 22-centimetre sauteurs valued at $119. And your code there is LTL. SK-2021. Now, all of those details are also in the show notes, uh, but I highly recommend you checking out these wonderful Lotox brands and I thank them both so much for providing a wonderful juicy discount to help you guys make the swaps for products that you genuinely need because I always like making that reminder in anything that we're promoting Uh, please don't buy things you don't need. But if you do need to replace some skincare or if you are upgrading your cookware, then swap to low-tox stuff and I'm glad to help make it easier on the pocket for you to get started. So that's all I needed to tell you about, and now it is time to hook into this incredibly powerful interview and conversation with the wonderful Beth O'Hara. Enjoy. Hello, Beth. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm great, Alex. I'm so excited to be back with you.
0: Oh, I'm so excited too. We had one of those conversations that kind of left a lot of minds blown. And when that happens, I always like to invite the guests back a couple of months later to just dig a bit deeper and go a few more places that you don't always have time to go in an hour-long interview. Now, uh, I want to direct everybody to the first show that I did with Beth, where we focused exclusively on mast cells, mast cell activation disorder, what that might look like, whether you might need to know about it for your own healing and health. Uh, And today uh, we are going to be talking a little bit more about detoxification, because of course, Mass cell activation is usually a symptom that there's something else going on, something wrong, something making our bodies very angry and confused. And unless we look at the big picture, it is uh, down near impossible to really heal, right? Uh, so, Beth, the first question I have for you is, um, is to talk about this uh, crazy idea that we're still up against, Uh, often in uh, conventional conversations or sceptic conversations where people say, why do you need to detox? That's what the liver's for. Um, You don't need all this detoxification. Like that's literally the liver's job. And it's so much more complex than that. Uh, If we have one of those people listening right now, and that's okay, hello, thank you for being curious, Uh, what would you say to that person to help them understand the bigger picture of detoxification and why it's important to focus on for some people.
1: Well, when I want to tie it into the, the context of what you just mentioned, which was so spot on that mass cell activation syndrome is not the problem that it's a, it's an expression of something deeper going on in the body. And we need our mass cells to survive. So they've kind of gotten a bad rap. Like you just got to shut down those mass cells. When you do that, you're going to get into trouble because the mast cells are protecting us from viruses, bacteria, toxins, all these different things. There are frontline defenders. It's almost like if you say, oh, well, let's just wipe out the police department, the fire department and the ER, mm. you know, or the EMTs. <laughs> Not um, a good idea. Then then everything will be just fine, right? Well, mm. no. Um, so with, with detoxification and... Part of what's going on with this huge explosion of mast cell activation syndrome is that there's a few factors here. One is that we are exposed to more toxins than we have ever been exposed to in the history of humanity. And we're exposed to toxins. We don't even know that we're exposed to because no one is studying in the depth that we need What happens when all these toxins are released to environment? Well, they actually combine and create new toxins, right? So they're not just hanging out there on their own.
0: One by one, uh, the way that we study them, right?
1: Yeah, and when Mm. you look at the safety data research on even something like Roundup, so this weed killer that's used around the world, those ingredients were tested individually. They weren't tested in combination, and in combination they make new compounds that's how chemistry works and those effects on our bodies are tremendous that that level of toxicity that we're being exposed to just from these chemical toxins chemical toxins that are in the air in the water and i'm sure most of your listeners know that you know in even tap water we're drinking birth control pills we're drinking Paxil like that's clearly been documented If you're drinking tap water, you're drinking other people's drugs. And there's all this element of this toxin load that's overwhelming the body. And so that's going to cause excess mast cell activation. And then that's going to contribute to this constellation of symptoms. So you're overloading, we're all overloading our detox pathways with these numerous chemical toxins, there's not room for anything else. Like the buckets are overflowing. And just to illustrate, cause I think that seems so abstract to people. Like, well, there's toxins in my air, I can't see them. Or there's toxin in my water, I can't taste it. I was reading this December, 2020 article from National Geographic. I actually love natural ge- National Geographic. It's like my leisure thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But I was reading about this indigenous hunter in the Great Lakes region here um, between the United States and Canada. And so he had been hunting for decades and he would hunt for his family and his friends, his community, and they were profiling his experience. They were talking about the level of chemicals in that region. And he, he brought down a moose and the first thing that they eat is the liver because it's the most nutritious. It's a superfood. It's one of the best superfoods. And liver, if no one's had liver before, it should be like very firm. It's got a really firm, meaty kind of texture. Well, when he pulled the liver out of the moose, it was just like slime. It was just like ooze because it had so broken down. And this is, you know, a large animal. But he's also seeing this in the smaller animals, the rabbits and, and beavers, and their organs are just liquefying. That's part of what's happening to us too. We're not separate from these animals. And
0: No, that's one of our biggest disconnects, isn't it? The fact that we're yeah. so disconnected.
1: Yeah, so so we've got these, this massive toxin exposure. Then we have in this influx of mold issues and mold toxicity. So in the 1970s in most of the developed countries in the world we started building buildings tighter because of the energy crisis. And when we started building these buildings tighter that that solved a great problem in that you know we were spending tons of energy, precious resources just going up through people's roofs and everything from not having energy efficient buildings but we solved one problem, we created a new problem, which is we built them tighter so we trapped moisture in. And anytime you have humidity over 50% for 24 to 48 hours, you're going to get mold growth. It was still at that period of time a level most people could keep up with. And mold illness was mostly confined to people living in really old, decaying homes, places with a lot of flooding, hurricanes or um, places where people had had significant exposures, you know, people who were working in laboratories with mold species, these kinds of things, or third world countries in the food supply. We don't really have that problem in more developed countries, but it's a big problem in third world countries. And so that was still okay, but the toxin levels were building, like we've been talking about. So our ability to detoxify mold toxins were decreasing And the real clincher came around 2005 to 2009 was when Wi-Fi became so prevalent. And Wi-Fi, there's really good studies, especially by um, Dr. Klinghart talks about a Swiss Swiss researcher who was putting mold in a Faraday cage, so it was shielded from all the EMFs from the laptops and the Wi-Fi router and the computer speakers and the monitors and all this stuff, our cell phones. Then he took it out and exposed it just to the ambient EMFs in the room, which are the same that we have in our homes constantly or in retail stores or workplaces. And the molds in that plate produced mycotoxins at 600 times the rate in the presence of those EMFs. That's six hundred times. So I go to well, then how much faster if mold colonizes in the body, which it does for many people, if you've been exposed, it can get in through the the nose and through the mouth, gets into the gut and the sinuses, all the hollow spaces, even the the vaginal um, canal, all these areas. How much faster is that mold producing mycotoxins in the presence of all these Wi-Fi's? and then? We don't have the capacity to get to detoxify it anymore. And mold toxicity has exploded. Like I've been working with people for 15 years, and the kind of cases I see now, and I talk to my colleagues too, they all say cases are more complex, people are more ill. So, this is part of this epidemic that's happening that's almost a silent epidemic. We're not really talking about it enough.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny when I think about uh, when I was super healthy versus not healthy. uh, And uh, really, my health took a huge dive when uh, I started to work a lot on a computer and online and with technology. Um, Look, correlation, not causation, of course. But, you know, we are all an N equals one that can notice things about our own time. And, and if I look back into my childhood when I've been overweight versus not, it's always coincided with a mouldy house versus a, a dry house always. Uh, and, you know, retrospect is an interesting thing when you've had chronic illness. And um, and I just find it fascinating.
1: Maybe how it may yeah, well, cautious. it may be.
0: Absolutely, it may be. I just I just didn't want to create an absolute statement without being able to know for sure. Um, and, uh, But I think we need to talk about it, right, because unless we all start having these conversations, then, you know, we might not do the research in more detail and with bigger test groups because no one's talking about it, so no one really knows it's a big problem.
1: And people don't want to research this for a mm. couple of reasons one, it's pretty unpopular to say EMFs are causing a big problem. Mm-hmm. So that oh, huge, trying to take that, away
0: our smartphones, Beth. Yeah, good luck. Right,
1: It's <laughs> certainly not winning the populating contest. Mm-hmm. But also, it's extremely hard to design a study that would be accepted into journals. But mm. that said, there is a huge volume of research. And I've been compiling it for work that i've been doing over the past year in um and preparing a, a course that i know we're going to talk about but there is a huge amount of documented literature on mold toxicity and the extent of chemical toxins and what they're doing in our bodies mm. it's just that it's not being brought into the mainstream mm-hmm. but it is well well documented
0: Yeah. And for me, the interesting thing about mold toxicity and the havoc it causes as a multi-system disorder uh, is that you then start to think, oh my gosh, we've got all these specialists. We've got to go to the endocrinologist and spend three, $400 on the visit there and get all the tests and maybe even get the surgery. But why was the endocrine system dysfunctional in the first place? We've got the cardiologist Get I mean, I spent about three grand at the cardiologist, having the stress test, having the ECG, having the halter monitor, having, you know, the ultrasound did all the things and the consults. And he kept saying, you're fine. I don't want to see you till you're 55. I'm like, but, dude, I can't sleep because my heart skips a beat and does these weird somersaults. And then I roll over and get tachycardia. Like, what is up with this? no, this is really normal for women your age. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, you know, and so why yes. is the heart unhappy? And so I keep looking at all of the issues that I've had over the past five years and to a lesser degree over my lifetime on and off with different houses, and I think, wow, like actually I need a mould specialist. I don't need any of these people because it's, For me, and, you know, everyone's different, but when we find our root causes, then um, we we may be able to actually cut down on huge amounts of healthcare costs.
1: Exactly, and you you really hit it on the head here in that, and, and, again, this is clearly documented in the research literature. Mold toxins are toxic to the liver, to the kidneys, to the cardiovascular system, to the nervous system, to the respiratory system, reproductive system, they're carcinogenic. They pass through the placenta and the breast milk and they're toxic to babies, to, to the fetus. I've had a lot of children have been sick from birth. There's, it, it It's truly completely systemically toxic in every way. And mold toxins are being used for chemical warfare. I mean, we're not talking about something that's like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's some fragrance, which is a problem in itself, but we're talking, you know, a thousand times worse than even fragrance, which we should be avoiding. And the the other statement that your cardiologist said is very telling about what's happening culturally. And that as we get more chronically ill as a population, it's normalized Mm -hmm. and Mm that, oh, well, this is normal for women your age. No, it's not. No, it's not. Well, It It, might be normal, but yeah. It's common, yeah. but yeah. it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And, you know, even people, I get people in their 60s who say, Well, I think I'm just aging. And I'm like, Well, I actually know 60 year olds who are 10 times healthier than you. I don't think it's just aging. There's something mm-hmm. going on here. And this even has to do with why our lab ranges only look at pathology right? So when you get blood work and people say, oh, well, your blood work's fine. So you're perfectly healthy and let, you can't get out of bed. Well, part of it is they're not looking at the right markers, but part of it is that those ranges are based on the average of the Western population and the Western population is really chronically ill. So you're comparing yourself and it's like, yeah, you look healthy compared to our average chronically ill person. Well, that doesn't help me if I want to be healthy. Mm,
0: so, so many layers to this, aren't there? Whew. So a question that often comes up is around mould, and it's been in the environment and the soil for thousands of years. Why so many issues now? How come so many people are presenting with biotoxin illness these days? Uh, or was it always there and we just didn't realise that was what the cause was? I realise I've just thrown a whole bunch of different questions at you. But we've talked about the interesting research of Dr Klinghart's uh, mould and uh, Wi-Fi technology. Uh, we talked also about the type buildings. Um, I think I'd like to hear what you have to say, um, but I think the fact that we spend so much time inside now uh, and... Um, you know, if you're in a cold climate, that means your house is shut up around you all that time now as well. There's not as much connection to nature. Uh, There's not as much connection to the natural microbiome that we find in natural and wild environments. How has that impacted us, Beth?
1: Well, it's it's a lot of factors, but one, people are correct. We always, mold has been on the planet longer than human beings. And mold is a critical part of the ecosystem. So it's also, we don't want to get rid of all the molds on the planet because what mold does is it decomposes dead things. So if you go out and and mold is in the fungal kingdom. So you go out, you walk through nature, you see a fallen tree, you're going to see mushrooms growing on it. And if you look closely enough, you could find mold growing on it as well. And that's what it does. It decomposes things. But if you look at, ancient manuscripts or even if we just take um, the bible the bible clearly talks about people developing mold in their homes and it gives a protocol for you must burn we must move out and burn the home down that's how it was handled that's my kind of protocol there's a few houses i'd (laughs) like to break
0: there's a few houses that i would just find so therapeutic to watch burn down
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but when it gets that extensive, right, is mm. we don't have a way to really clean it up. No, yeah. that's extreme. That's not most of the case. <laughs> Please don't burn your I, house down, guys. <laughs> don't go burn your house. 99% of homes um, can be remediated. But we, we've kind of been alluding to some of this, which is, you know, we brought these EMFs in, we um, built our houses tighter, so we're trapping more moisture. We have less ability to get rid of those toxins. We also have more climate change, mm-hmm. and so we have more extreme weather. We have more flooding. We have more hurricanes. We have more rain, more humidity in different regions, and in and pop- if
0: I can if I can just stop you there because I trained with Al Gore actually a couple of years ago on this at the Climate Reality uh, conference, which was just incredible download of information across three days. But um, because I know a climate sceptic is going to jump in here and say, we don't actually have more rain. If you look at the averages, it's like, okay, that is actually true. But when it rains, it rains like a rain bomb rather than a bit of sprinkling for a few days. We are seeing much more adverse events of rain um, uh, than we normally would. And so exactly. building, buildings have less of a chance of surviving the intensity of the downfall that's happening, and there may be hail attached to that which may break skylights and crack a roof tile. And this is what's happening with climate change. I just wanted to, you know, because I don't want to get comments in the um, blog post saying, yeah, but, you know, we don't have what we do. It's different.
1: It's regional, and that's why yeah. I yeah. like, the term climate change, because mm, it's not mm. about climate warming, or it, it's about change. we having and intense yeah, yeah. And, and
0: destabilization.
1: Mm. And here's a real case in point. So when we were house hunting, we looked at, and I live in the Cincinnati region, on the Ohio River, very humid. And we looked at over 50 houses, and I'm so mold sensitive. I know within usually two minutes, if there's mold enough space. And so we, we found this one home after six months of looking that I was, could actually be in for an hour and I was okay. So like, we're putting an offer on this house. It was like <laughs> for six months. And this was, you know, when it was a down period on house buying. Mm. And so we, we put the offer in, I still did the mold testing. It all came back clean but it was January and January in this region is dry as a bone because that's our winter. And then come March and April, we had record rains, intense rains. And this house has um, a lower level walkout basement. And there was an unfinished part of that basement. And I started going downhill with my health. I was getting flared up. I wasn't sleeping. My joints were hurting. My brain wasn't working. Just, you know, and I have, I, I have clients, you know, around, you know, all time. so I had to function in two months of this. I was getting, my gut was getting worse. Mm. Like something's not right. Oh
0: my God, Beth, we and, could literally be reciting those words at the same time. I really so feel for I, you
1: so we tested the house and yeah. we came out with massive levels of aspergillus in the basement. And I had tested every room, every area of this whole house, but it was the humidity. It could not keep the humidity controlled at that point. And this house was built in 2000. So it was after the building codes changed. It was built tighter, couldn't keep the humidity managed. So mm-hmm. then we had to remediate, but that's part of what's going on. Now, before this, we owned a house that was built in the 1950s. hmm very leaky.
0: Mm-hmm. Did
1: not had higher energy bills than this place, but that we're in now. But um, we didn't have a mold problem there. Yeah. with a lot of air exchange, so that's part of it. It also had concrete walls, so it was made from cinder block. Mm-hmm. So, which is kind of interesting. This is something they did in the fifties, and the Wi-Fi couldn't travel through the walls, mm-hmm. so we didn't have as high levels there. And um, so, so this is just a lot of pieces in terms of why is it so bad now, but also we look at women, children, and pets tend to get sicker from mold toxins than men. And some of that's also because men tend to be larger body size, especially large sized men. They've got more tissue to put the toxins into to keep them out of the bloodstream. And that ties back into, well, what's the current toxin load? Women also use a lot more products. We use a lot more fragrance, fragrance products. We put all kinds of stuff on our face. We dye our hair. So we don't have as much load either. So and can,
0: can I actually add to the word load? Because I've been thinking about this a lot, and my husband and I talk about this a lot to see how this might change for women, um, is the mental load of women. Uh, compared to men. You know, I shared with him the other day, I said just out of curiosity because he was trying to unpack how much I had in my head compared to him having in his head at any one given time. I said, could you tell me exactly how many eggs we've got left in the carton in the fridge? Could you tell me exactly how much coconut flour we've got left? Could you tell me exactly roughly how much uh, almond milk we've got left till I have to make some more? Uh, And he's like, no, I can't tell you any of those things. And I said, I can tell you exactly how much of everything we have, of everything. I can tell you exactly what our child's calendar is for the next two months, pretty much. Uh, I can tell you uh, exactly the things I've got in my head about the different places I need to go to pick up this, to drop off that, da, 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 all throughout the week. And he's like, I don't have any of that in my head. And I honestly believe, from a nervous system perspective and the impact that the nervous system has, uh, on our health and especially with mold toxicity, as we've talked about, um, that that is also a factor as to why women tend to get more sick than men in this think, chronic weird picture.
1: I think that is a factor and it's a really good point point. and another place where we solved a problem and we created new problems. So we've solved some problems of gender inequality. We've still got some ways to go there. But in solving that problem, now women manage the household and work full time and take care of children. And we, we still don't have load balancing there. So you're you're spot on. Women often also are more often the victims of physical violence, domestic violence, sexual violence. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a stronger trauma background as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of layers, a lot of things to look at. And this is why we we often come into dead ends when we just go and see the thyroid specialist. There's nothing against that specialist. It's just that the health picture is often so much bigger than we tend to
1: investigate. And that's why I called it Cell 360 because Mm. in in my own healing, I saw every kind of practitioner out there. So I exhausted traditional medicine. I exhausted functional medicine. I did homeopathics. I did shamanic work. I did uh, psychotherapy. I did structural work. I did meditation, nervous system work, it, it, all the stuff. And I got a master's in marriage and family therapy. And then, you know, got my, finished my doctorate in naturopathy. All, all of this because I was so severely ill it really took bringing those facets together. And this is one of the things when I'm teaching and I, I love teaching at conferences and, and, and teaching online to practitioners and just expanding this. And one of the slides I like to use has a bucky ball. Some people may not know what that is, but it's like, if you imagine a three-dimensional sphere that has uh, maybe a hundred points and there's um lines that connect all of those. So they're all connected. And then what I do is I put on there. So we've got mold toxins and we've got infections and we've got structural issues. And um, we might have cerebral spinal fluid buildup on the brain, which puts pressure on the brain. then we can get these system issues, right? Like detoxification hormones and and um, circulation issues, blood formation issues, all that stuff we think of in terms of that functional approach. But then we have this other side of it, which is what happened in the childhood development that shaped the nervous system, shaped the immune system? How did that go? What is happening in terms of somebody's um, relationships? Are there toxic relationships going on And the the amount of stress that's involved, well, that translates down biochemically. It's called cell danger response. And then, you know, what's happening mentally, spiritually, and you touched on, we don't get outside as much. We're out of touch with our nature, with biorhythms. What's going on genetically, epigenetically? In these complex cases today, to get people really well who just keep slipping through the cracks and are stuck, we've got to look three-dimensionally. We've got to look at how these factors interlock and interlink, but also if somebody's totally stuck on one side of this equation. Well, let's go over to the nervous system angle because they're all interconnected. And that's one of the, I always say traditional medicine, if you cut your arm off, I'm not going to be able to help you. Nothing I do is going to save your life. Traditional medicine is going to save your life. And that's where it shines. If your liver shuts down, your kidneys shut down, you're going to get your transplant and save your life, but it's not a system for these complex chronic issues. And, and it's, it's very reductionistic and separated. And it, it just, that's where people like me and, and like you, and I know so many of the people listening have experienced that where we just keep falling through the cracks because nobody's looking at the whole thing.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, and that just explains so perfectly as well uh, why some people get so sick and others don't, like everything we've just talked about. Uh, how about the genetic component, Beth?
1: Yeah, so there, there's a few pieces to this. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. is um, I, I do want to preface this by saying there's a lot online that's still this reductionistic thinking mm-hmm. that says, okay, well, if you have MTHFR, you must take methylfolate. And that's actually not true.
0: Oh, gosh, I not. do terribly on methylfolate and I have a homozygous uh, C677. So, you know, as, as soon as I learned that, I debunked it like one week later. I was like, eh, I don't think so.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and or, you know, if you have MTHFR issues, you have methylation issues. Well, that's not true. I actually have no MTHFR variants and I had horrible methylation. And mm-hmm. and other people I know have MTHFR double variants they had no methylation issues because it's really about genetic expression. How are those genes actually being expressed and what's triggering that? And everything we've just talked about changes genetic expression, toxins, stress, how much water we drink, what kind of food we eat, how much light we get, do we get out in nature, all of these things. But there are certain patterns In people. Now, I personally have not seen patterns in the HLA genes and mold toxins and who gets sick. I've seen lots of people with HLA variants, not as sick with mold toxicity, lots of people with no HLA variants, and that's one that's talked about a lot. And they're severely, severely ill from mold toxicity. I do see a lot of impacts around some of the histamine intolerance genes, mast cell genes, and particularly. The genes related to detoxification. And one of the other areas that I'm always super excited to talk about is a pathway called glucuronidation that hardly anyone talks about, but that's a primary detox pathway for everything. Chemicals, hormones, fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, K, um, uh, even salicylates, like certain kinds of food compounds, go through there and mold toxins. Mold toxins hardly use glutathione at all. They yeah. mostly use glucuronidation. So when people have a lot of variants in there, I see sometimes that those can be impactful. And it's, again, we have to come back to what's going on with the expression because it's not, a, it's not like a life sentence. And one place I see people get in trouble is when they read online, oh, I have CBS variants, I can't have any sulfur. And that makes people horribly ill. They'll usually feel better for about three to six weeks, sometimes up to um, three months. And then around month six, they get horribly ill. And this is because sulfur is one of the most important compounds in our bodies. We need it to detox. We need it to um, stabilize mast cells. The only mechanism that I know of for mast cells to stabilize themselves is heparin sulfate that they make out of sulfur foods. So um, people get into horrible food intolerances when they take themselves off sulfur. So I just wanna caution people that CBS variants don't mean go off of sulfur. It's a lot more complex. And even that methylation pathway, there's about 20 enzymes that are involved. So looking at just MTHFR for methylation is again, it's like trying to see the empire state building with a microscope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good analogy. I like it. Um, And so just in case there are some people out there who've ditched their cauliflower and their broccoli and their eggs and, and they're like, but you know, I'm, I'm in that phase where I feel really good. Am I just about to go downhill? Like, how do they actually process those sulfur foods better? What, what are some of the things that we need to do to do that? If they're so important.
1: Yeah, sometimes molybdenum can help people. They start it super slow. I always tell people are really sick, start with what I call sprinkles. And somebody just shared with me earlier today what she called um, a toothpick size, which would be if you stuck a toothpick in a capsule, what hangs onto the toothpick is what you're going to start with, is a really good way to go when your pathways are really locked down. But molybdenum can help. Then there's FODMAP. Some people have issues with FODMAP foods and a lot of cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, onions, garlic, or FODMAP foods. Well, there are low FODMAP sulfur foods. So arugula, it's called rocket in a lot of parts of the world. Um, Cabbage, if you keep it below a cup. So there's green onion tops are a great thing. So if people are getting gas and bloating with those foods, it may not be sulfur. It may be those, you know, it's carbohydrates that are in certain foods. This is where you can see that Uh, I mean, it took me 15 years to start to put this stuff together with a healthcare background. So this is where um, I love that we have access to so much information, but we have to be able to put it into context and apply it to every case. It's very hard to do this alone. Very, very hard.
0: Mm. And yet so many people have to, Beth, like if we think about it, because... Unfortunately, seeing highly specialized practitioners, that can be hundreds of dollars a visit. Um, sometimes the courses are multiple hundreds of dollars and our healthcare system, not recognizing all of these difficult illnesses, of the people falling through the cracks means you have to self fund your recovery efforts. I've right. spent tens and th- uh, probably over the hundred thousand mark now in the past five years, if you count like having to replace possessions and all of that kind of stuff as well. Um, it's a really big issue. Um, it's a huge
1: issue. It's mm-hmm. a hu- And this is one of the reasons why we make low cost courses. I know. I because love that um- about
0: you guys. I love that because mm-hmm. I remember when I took one, um, I think it was your mass cell, there's one, it was your webinar on um, your course on supplements. It was like a two uh-huh. hour um, and yeah. I think it was like $99 and I learned so much. It was useful. It was able to be put in practice immediately in a safe way. This is what people need.
1: Yeah. I think we've got to do more of this and you know, there's, there's just one of me right now and, and, and there are other practitioners also that were really, really good. And, um, but there are a lot of people who just can't afford that. And so we're building out a whole suite of you go in this order, start here. Then when you get that on your belt, you can go to this next course and you go to this next course so that you can get it put into the right order. And that's one of the big things in terms of how do you unlock these chronic health conditions is the right order of operation. And what I've seen work over and over and over, and I learned this from, Neil Nathan, Dr. Neil Nathan, who's my mentor. So I have to give him credit for this. Um, He is incredible. And I'm so grateful to get to study under him. And, and um, we've done some research together in the mold toxins, but it's starting with nervous system calming. And the reason that's so critical, and we've got a course on that where people can step themselves through because there's a million nervous system options, right? And you can do all kinds of things how do you really hone into what's effective? So that's what that course is on. And why is that so important? Because the nervous system is the communication highway of the entire body. And it's what connects the entire body. So the nervous system, all the organs, and particularly that vagal nerve that comes out of the top of the neck, and the nerve aids, it's got branches to the ears. So when it's, when it's dysregulated, we get tinnitus and ear ringing, it comes around to the face. People can get muscle twitching. I used to have this little like Elvis twitch by my nose. Mm, I used I to have the eye twitch months
0: <laughs> and months. It drove me nuts. And
1: so, but that same nerve, now they call it polyvagal because there's so many branches. It's not really a single nerve but it comes down to, to the heart. So you're talking about all these heart palpitations and skipping beats and all of that. Well, it's really usually an electrical issue. It's a signaling issue. And then motility. Well, that nerve is controlling the whole motility of the whole gut from the, the very top of the esophagus down to the stomach, all of the intestines. So that nerve is so key. It goes to the liver, the pancreas, the spleen, and that gets really disrupted by trauma, by head and neck injuries, which are very, very common, and by toxins, particularly mold toxins and Bartonella, things that greatly are toxic to the nervous system. So we have to rewire the nervous system because it makes the signaling off and we have to wire a part called the limbic system that's involved in fear and emotion. Then when that calms down, we can do mast cell calming and just calms the inflammation in the body and allows us to start to detox. And then we have to detox in order. And I see a major mistake is starting antifungals before having binders on board or doing really high doses of binders and those binders are just pulling way too, it's overwhelming the system because- Yeah, well, and then
0: it, it. starts to, um, to stuff around with your electrolytes as well.
1: It will, and it's mm. gonna disrupt this, the signaling and it's gonna kick up the mass cell activation. Mm. So there's this order that's really critical. And I, I work with people who often aren't tolerating hardly anything. They've usually seen 10, 15, 20 practitioners. They just keep, nothing's working. And this method that was developed by Neil Nathan it, it just works beautifully. It takes time and it's complicated, can be complicated, um, but it can be done step by step. So people have to know it's usually about a two to three year process.
0: Mm, so good. I mean, if I had to count the amount of supplements I had been told I needed to take or uh, probiotics I needed to take or dietary changes I need to make or eliminations I needed to make, when you put me in a healthy home, I poop three times a day. End of story. Seriously. Like yeah, yeah. literally that simple uh, yeah. for me. And, uh, and I just think, again, you go to the specialist for the symptom not to find the cause, and that is what is so broken with our system.
1: And that's one of the early stages as well, even before mm. you go to detoxification, is make sure you're out of mold. Mm because I've had people that had a really severe condition called subclinical porphyria. It causes horrible nerve pain, doubled over um, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting. It, it's, it's, it's a horrible experience. It feels like your nerves are on fire. There's this burning. And the, the way of addressing that is dextrose IVs. They have to go get a dextrose IVs. So I've had, Multiple people who were getting the the dextrose two and three times a week, and when they finally finished the mold remediation, as it was like the next week, it all stopped, and they didn't need the IVs anymore. They still had to to get things handled. I've had people who are having seizures twenty times a day, and they got out of the mold, and the seizures stopped. And it, and even with milder things, brain fog, sleep issues, we just can't heal if we're exposed to these high levels of toxins. Mm, Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I just feel like this is just going to be so exciting for so many people listening, thinking, wow, you mean I could actually feel good. And uh, I just love to facilitate that. I'm still very much on the road myself because of how hard it is to find a truly healthy home Um, And I swear to God, when we find it, we're just going to make an offer to the owner and say, whatever we have to pay, I don't want to ever leave here. So can I please buy it from you? Um, Because uh, it really is that tricky in humid climates, as you have learned yourself, um, Beth, with what you guys just went through. Um, Something I'm curious about, why do toxic individuals, why do half the people seem to lose heaps of weight and become completely emaciated and the other half, like me, uh, tend to gain a ton of weight. Uh, What is happening there when it comes to weight loss, weight gain in relation to
1: toxicity? That's such a good question. And another one that's multifaceted. I don't know if all the answers, but I can share a few of them. Mm. So one has to do with what stage of the cell danger response that we're in that I've been alluding to and cell danger response. This was really described by Robert Navio.
0: I love Bob. He's such an amazing man.
1: Yeah. And this was a game changing piece of work Mm. that, you know, he's continued to expand on and what this says, and I'm going to really distill it down. So I'm not doing it full justice, but what it says is when we're exposed to more toxins, more pathogen load or more trauma and stress, any of those, than the body can manage. It goes through a process of shutting down certain pathways and turning up other pathways as a protective mechanism. And just to illustrate this before I tie it into your question, some of the pathways that get shut down are vitamin D production. So we get people with really low vitamin D, they can't get it up. We get methylation gets shut down. We stop excreting metals. So metals start getting stored in the tissues. That's important because otherwise pathogens can cause more damage if they have access to what we're producing in those pathways. There's a pathway called the heme pathway, and that ties in with that subclinical porphyria issue I mentioned. It's not very common, but it does happen to some people. And so there's a process in there that's called, it's, it's a pathway that has, works like a seesaw. So one side of it's called mTOR and that's muscle growth and muscle building. And the other side of that's autophagy and autophagy is the cellular debris cleanup process, cancer cell cleanup process, and it's the pathogen cleanup process. It cleans up, it's like the janitorial crew. So when the immune system kills off viruses, bacteria, it's like Cleans out the dead bodies. And these work like a seesaw. So if one goes up, the other goes down. So when we're in mTOR, we gain weight. When we're in autophagy, we lose weight. So where are we stuck? So that's part of it. It's actually advantageous to put on weight when you have a lot of toxicity than to lose a lot of weight. So the people that I get that are very, very skinny and they can't, and I have people that are down to 85 pounds. And um, we have to get that process shifted over to more of the simtor. And so when we keep losing, losing weight, there's no room to put mycotoxins into these. Mold toxins are fat soluble. So that means they get stored in fat tissue, they get stored in the muscles, they get stored in the organs. As opposed to some of the chemical toxins are water soluble, they're, they're circulating in the bloodstream. But if we can't put it, tuck it away, then that's quite problematic because then it only can go in the bloodstream. And that's where I get the people who are just tremendously ill. Those are the people I worry about. And the people that have been gaining weight and they've gained 30 pounds, they've gained 50 pounds. That's a protective mechanism. I actually gained, I'm short, I'm five one. Mm. And um, I gained 20 pounds doing my mold detox. Wow. That's a lot
0: in a small frame.
1: It's a lot on my frame. And it's what I weighed when I was in college and I ate out of vending machines, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and pizza and, you know, Coca-Cola and I eat extremely healthy. And I even did a low carb diet. I kept my carbs under 50 grams a day. I was doing fourteen hundred calories a day. Didn't budge six weeks of that didn't move. So I knew, okay, this is where my body needs to be right now. i I'm, I'm mostly piece at it. I'm not I'm perfect I'm not perfect. I'm still human, but I am <laughs> I'm trying though. Yeah me too. So but it's um it, it it's where we're putting on this weight to tuck these toxins in and I made the mistake I was taking too high dose of binders. So I was pulling way too much out and my body was like uh oh too much better store the fat mm. so that so it's not, you know, in the bloodstream again. Yeah. So it tends to settle out once you get the toxins out. If, if the diet's cleaned up, stress is managed, cortisols is managed, those kinds of things, it'll tend to settle back out. But those are some of the reasons. Some of the other reasons can be how people are metabolizing fat. Um, when I had chronic diarrhea, obviously my weight was a lot lower because it couldn't hold on to my nutrition, but mm. that's not good either. Mm. So all to illustrate being skinny is not always the best thing. Mm.
0: So I should be thanking these little fat rolls that have formed around my abdomen for now to protect me. Exactly. <laughs> mm. Okay. All right. I'm going to make friends with them a little bit more. <laughs> I I, can, I mostly try to tell them to bugger off, but, um,
1: but yeah. In this pain, I just wanted to add, Alex, so people might find this interesting. Lipomas are fatty deposits where toxins are getting stuck tucked away as well. Mm -hmm. So people that have lipomas and my, I I used to have an office in a beautiful historic building that was built right after the civil war. And my office was on the lower level.
0: Oh gosh, that sounds like a disaster.
1: It was a disaster. So I had all this mold toxicity from childhood. And then I had 10 years in this office and when I went to move out, and you get used to it, I'm so mm. sensitive to mold, but I couldn't smell it because mm. I was in there all the time. And when I went to move out, I took something off there this little ledge that was touching the wall, and the plaster just crumbled.
0: Oh, my goodness. And it was just
1: wet underneath. Well, my dog, I had a therapy dog who would come with me, and I think people wanted to see her more than me. but. <laughs> She has a grapefruit sized lipoma on her shoulder. And so I'm going to have to get her tested because I know that that's holding mold toxins. That's why she developed that. Wow. So these lipomas, they say that they're harmless, but they, they're, they're there for a reason.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I have not heard about those before. Very interesting. Um, another thing that tends to happen to people who are toxic is muscle wasting, uh, and an in- inability to put on or hold on to muscle. and I know I experience this I'm getting better now. Um, I after talking to Dr. Gabriel Lyon a couple of times over the years, you just gotta up that protein and you know one pound of your ideal weight in pounds and you have that much protein in grams per day and I was having about unfortunately like 70 grams less than that on average. Mm. Um, And it has made a huge difference just focusing on that nutrient and giving my body what it needed, especially if you think of the nervous system and the impact on muscles. Um, Can you talk us through the technical aspects of why this happens in toxic individuals?
1: Yeah, it's the same concepts we just talked about. So that autophagy is going to get you into dropping fat, wasting muscle. There are different things that will stimulate the mTOR process. So growth factors, protein, hormones, particularly estrogen, will stimulate it. And um, sugar, increased insulin. Now, that's not necessarily the way we want to stimulate it. But that's, that's what was happening was you may have been holding on to some fat, but your muscles were in that autophagy process. And this cell danger response is not, we're not in the same phase through the whole system Certain cells can be in one phase, certain cells can be in another phase. But this is, this is all part of that process and looking at what phase is this person in, where are things getting stuck, and how can we support the system to shift to that next place? You also need amino acids. There's um, six, six pathways in phase two detoxification that happen in the liver, and one of them is amino acid conjugation. So you need those to process certain toxins. And there are a few mold toxins that use that pathway as well.
0: Interesting. And so you mean the amino acids that can be found in protein?
1: Yes, there's okay. so much okay. your body's do with amino acids, we repair the gut lining, we detox with amino acids, we, um, we, we build muscle, we make neurotransmitters, like you're talking about, particularly serotonin and dopamine. So if people don't eat enough, Protein. This is where we get depression and anxiety that can be related to that. Now, there's lots of other things that can be related to depression, anxiety. Of course. That's one of them. Mm, interesting.
0: And so um, often we get told to eat moderate or low protein in a lot of the trendy modern diets, whether that be keto or vegan. Uh, actually, both of them have that uh, somewhat in common. Um, how? What, how would you help someone navigate uh, the complexity of of deciding to up their protein and why?
1: Yeah. So that's a hard, that one's always going to be case by case because there's so many factors, right? So people need to work with um, a healthcare practitioner, could look at their case. I can tell you very generally that as I, and I'm still, I had so much mold exposure, Alex, it was over 30 years so I'm going to be detoxing mold for quite a while. Um, I focus on a higher protein, um, moderate fat, low carb diet. And that's what works very well for me. That's what I feel good on. Other people, though, like if there are kidney issues, you can't go really high protein. So this may have to get modified. Or if people um, are having too much of that mTOR, You know, my body goes into mTOR easily. I always have muscle definition, even though I'm not able to lift weights because of some injuries right now, I have muscle Mm -hmm. definition. So that tells me that, you know, I have this muscle building going on all the time. I need Mm -hmm. more autophagy. But if um, we've got to, again, look at it case by case. And I don't think people should do any kind of fad diet. It's like, you've got to look at what's going to be healthiest for you. And what's going to be all this for what you're healing from. So if people have that subclinical porphyria I mentioned, low-carb diets make them horribly ill. I mean, like ER level sick, and they can't do low-carb. So there's just no one-size-fits-all here. The the general, though, is if you don't have any of these exclusions, and there's tons of them I didn't mention, then um, doing some moderate protein can be very helpful. And it needs to be that grass-fed, pasture raised or wild caught fish, these types of things, because it says all those hormones, all those antibiotics, everything that's pumped in growth factors, everything that's pumped in conventional animals. And then e- even if you put the ethics aside, which I can't separate out for myself, but just the, the stress that happens in living in those conditions, those, yeah. those animals full of stress hormones and chemicals, you don't want to eat that. Mm. I like to think
0: of it as like when I'm super toxic with mold, I'm so stressed, I am I feel so unhealthy. Like would you eat an animal like me? No, you would not. <laughs> so why would you do that? Like why would you allow for the way you spend your dollars uh, to know that the animal that you might be choosing to eat if you're an omnivore Um is knowingly in those stressed-out, toxic conditions as well. It's just not right. Mm. Yeah. Whew. okay. So, um, so I think we need to bring this home with some positives, a sense of hope, and a focus on resilience building. Uh, so something that I find really interesting is how hard it is to actually get to the full resilience piece I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel like I can be sent backwards way too easily. Uh, I have windows into resilience for a few months here and there, um, but still very much uh, a very sensitive individual. Are we going to be sensitive for the rest of our lives or is there a way we can really build long-term resilience when we are recovering from whatever toxicity uh, we might be experiencing in a chronic state, in a chronic way?
1: That's a great question. and I'd love to just first illustrate a little of my own story here, which mm. is that when I was 10, I remember my blood sugar started crashing for the first time. And so this is part of um, what's called metabolic resistance. And so I remember, um, I, I grew up Catholic, and I was the, the cross crossbearer. And I remember going and I had had toast with jam on it for breakfast. And then, you know, I'm walking down and I'm carrying that cross and, and um, I, I got it up to the front and I was starting to feel kind of spacey. And there's a little stand that you put that cross on and it's heavy, you know, it's a big, heavy cross. So I got it up there and I'm like, going to make it back to the pew. And I do not feel like it might pass out. And then that cross came crashing down <laughs> the because it didn't stand up. And I felt like I was blacking out Well, my blood, I was already developing hypoglycemia. By the time I was in my twenties, I had to eat every two hours. If I left the house, I had to take food with me and I'd have to eat the moment I woke up and right before I went to bed and I kept a snack by my bed. Cause I would wake up. That's pretty bad blood sugar control. That is not good. That's talking moving into diabetes land pretty soon in my twenties. But working on healing my body, I now do intermittent fasting and there are some days I don't eat lunch till three o'clock or maybe four o'clock and I feel really good and I can eat two meals a day. So that's a huge change. And that's actually this important part of metabolic resistance. It's important. And and then there's also um, that you talked about sensitivities. So I used to be so sensitive, everything that was recommended to me that should be anti-inflammatory, like curcumin or quercetin. I finally figured out to start with a sprinkle. That took me a while, but then I would do a tiny little sprinkle. And when I tried curcumin, I could not sleep at all. My sleep wasn't good to begin with but i mean forget it there was nothing going on that night. my anxiety was already bad shot way up just from a tiny sprinkle of the curcumin and i see a lot of people like this all the time who they're they're, they're sensitive to everything sensitive to all every chemical if somebody walks by with perfume on they they get heart palpitations they feel like they're going to pass out and that has dramatically changed for me and i see it change a lot for my clients too particularly when we get out of mold, we work on the nervous system, we work on those mast cells and we detox. So now I can be in an elevator, somebody has perfume on, I don't like it. It's not my favorite smell, but I'm fine. You know, it, it doesn't bother me. And then there's the emotional resistance piece and a resilience. And I used to be to where I had no stress tolerance whatsoever. So if something went wrong, I was just in a heap, just crying. You know, if the my order didn't show up and I had to figure out how to call or, or even worse, i had to call the insurance company because they didn't pay for something, that would just ruin my whole day. But there's stress resilience that we can get as well as the nervous system recovers and yeah. heals. Is that the direction you wanted to go in?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's so important that people know what the long game that that it is a long game to start with it's not going to be like a quick six month protocol and you're done um especially if you've been exposed for a long time so for me it was nine years for you it was 30 um you know these are complex uh constructs our bodies have built to try and protect us and keep us alive over those years uh and it takes a while to to get back to being you literally
1: yeah Let me share three quick cases. Yeah, please. So one, um, I talked a little bit about mine. By the time I was 20, by the time I was 26, I believe, I was walking with a cane. I was hobbling. I could I would hold my bladder to the last minute because it was so painful to go to the bathroom, to walk to the bathroom. And I, I didn't sleep. I mean, I could drift, but I couldn't sleep. I had excruciating joint muscle pain. Um, I, I had a full scholarship when I was in undergrad to go to medical school. And I was so sick, I wasn't getting out of bed. So I knew even if I made it through the four years, I wouldn't make it to residency. And then, um, I mean, it, w- it was so bad, Alex. I didn't know if I had a full solid year, I didn't know if I would live. And I, I just couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't work. It was, it was horrible. I got my life back to where I just went on a hike this morning in the woods and took a little climbing, which was, you know, some, some steep areas and I did great. I was out there for an hour. Um, I, I went back to graduate school. I got two graduate degrees. So I run this busy practice. And I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I have some more healing I want to do, but I'm really good. And I had a young girl who came in. She was, um, I believe she was 12 when she started. And she was having anaphylaxis every day, every time she ate. Her throat would close. She would black out. And when she woke up in the morning and stood up, she would pass out. And so she was extremely sick and and even eating low histamine foods, she was having anaphylaxis. Well, they had a massive mold in their home. And so they got the mold addressed and handled. And as soon as they got the mold addressed and handled, the anaphylaxis was gone, like, boom, it was gone. And then we got the, the passing out handled. And she's doing really good. She's got a little bit more to go in terms of detoxing and um, repairing her joints. Joints are still too hypermobile, but she's doing much, much better. And then I had a woman and she had breast implant illness on top of, so her breast implants leaked, they're notorious for mold growing in them because they're not made in, in the clean rooms. And there've been published studies by Andrew Campbell on this. Yes. And it's he, just horrifying, isn't it? I, I know. So she had that on top of uh, living in a home that had mold, she had three children homeschooling all of them. And she couldn't get out of bed. Her brain wouldn't work. And she couldn't tolerate anything. She couldn't take anything. She was just so ill. Well, they got the mold cleaned up. We got her detoxed. She's got her brain back. She's feeling really, really good. And it still took, you know, a good two and a half, three years. Mm. But lots of people, it's not just, I don't think about it just getting our health back. I think about it in terms of getting our lives and our dreams back. Yeah, That's what we're really doing. And that's what my mission is, is to get people their lives and their dreams back.
0: It's a good mission, Beth. It's an amazing mission. Um, I I have loved this uh, follow-up interview and so much more good stuff shared, a much bigger picture hopefully cast for people who are feeling a bit lost right now. Um, And if we could send everybody out this week with one amazing thing they could do to uh, send them in the right direction, what would you believe that practice would look like?
1: Well, a little different than what people are thinking. They're probably thinking I'm going to give a supplement or a breathing practice, but I really want to give a mind state, Mm. which is that. And I'm going to tear up. Oh, I'm going to tear up. (sighs) It's to not give up. just to never give up because the answers are out there. And if I had given up, there's absolutely no way I would be here talking to you. And it's easy to think that resilience is being optimistic all the time, and it's not. I had so many meltdowns and temper tantrums and, and you, you name it, you know, crying fits, throwing fits. and But I always knew in my bones, that there were answers out there. And if I could unlock them, and I was one of the sickest people I've ever known. And I am just overjoyed and thrilled to have the life that I have. So if you're out there and you're, you're, you're really sick and you're really suffering and you don't know what to do, just do not give up, keep going. You will find those answers. And it's that tenacity and that perseverance that's required to get out of that. And that's what um, if I can take the nightmare of what I went through and and build these courses and help people get their lives back as well, then that nightmare and that $300,000 and hundred practitioners I went through and, and everything, you know, the 20 year journey was, was worth going through. If it just one person can get their lives and their dreams back from from what I've put together to help people.
0: I love it, Beth. And you've got, um, and like it almost seems really commercial for me to mention this at this point in our very meaningful conversation. Uh, I can assure you it's not. And as you know, Beth's like me in that uh, we're both very passionate about access to many rather than privileged healthcare information. Uh, You actually have been working uh, for a long time now on... Uh, a mold detoxification course. Um, and it's going to be very, very specific to different types of mold and different types of situations. Uh, when can we expect this to finally be available?
1: I'm super excited about it. It's it's coming out this summer. Awesome. So we'll have a, a pre-sale and I've been building this, you know, I've been started the research for this over a year ago and we've got a beginner level for people who are just getting the basics and they need to know where to get started, but they don't want to know every research study and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we've got an advanced level and that advanced level is going to be for people who are more at the um, layperson but more intermediate level where they want all the background. They like all the details and for practitioners. Yeah, And what I'm so excited about is really putting together in a formal way, this research that we did with Neil Nathan and Emily Gibbler and Joe Mather, and we've mapped out from the research literature, which binders are most effective for which mold toxins, which detox pathways, which interventions work better for which detox pathways. So it's called precision mold detoxification for sensitive people. Mm-hmm. And people with mass cell activation, so we've got I've got it mapped out in that order of operations, and it's it's been a game changer for people, even just who are getting the little preview for it, to go, oh my gosh, this completely changes how we're looking at detox, and and sets it out step by step so people can use that and create their own roadmap, their own way through based on what they have, mm-hmm. what they're dealing with
0: so powerful i can't wait to share it with people when it comes out um thank you so much again for today's chat and uh for the way you show up in the world to help people
1: oh thank you alex and i just want to thank you for your amazing podcast and i love that we can come together like this to be in service to those who are suffering out there
0: me too well there you have it thank you so much for tuning in today i hope you enjoyed today's interview and I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Life, uh, and, of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a lowtox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab and you'll see join the Low Tox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.